tells us in verse 28, I, I was like, I says, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I know that Labor Day is not uh, about that type of labor that we're talking about, but uh, uh, we, we are going to look at that somewhat today. I Labor Day was actually instituted, I believe, if I studied this out correctly and read correctly, I think it was in the 1890s when it was first established, and it was to uh, celebrate uh, labor in America. And um, that, that is part of the, the great spirit of, of America has been the, just the, the pioneering spirit and the hardworking attitude and, and uh, I, I am so grateful for those in our church family. Yeah, you guys are the epitome of that. You, you are what has made America great. And, and uh, I am so thankful to be your pastor and uh, uh, to see so many of you that are uh, living that and, and a great example of that. But uh, today I want to give some thought to about labor and being a workman, but it's going to be a little different. It's going to be a workman in uh, doing what God would have us to do. And, uh, you know, I, I think about how this week we're getting ready for uh, silage season. I mean, it's coming, and we'll we'll see all of these trucks that are on the highways and all these big choppers that are out there and chopping up the silage, and and then we'll be moving right on into the uh, corn harvest with the combines, and and uh, this is the time of year that uh, they are out there and and uh, working hard on that harvest, and uh, Jesus brings a spiritual connotation to that here in Matthew. Uh, chapter 9. So you can turn back to Matthew chapter 9, and we're going to look at three verses. So Jim, there is hope that I'll be short today. I'm only doing three verses, all right? So but we'll see. But uh, uh, Gina, also, I wanted to say thank you for bringing the donuts to the BCRM. Th those were a hit, and I'm glad I was here when you got here because they went really quick, and I was going to hate to have to beat up a guest if he ate all the homemade donuts, but thank you. <clears throat> we get into Matthew chapter 9, verses 36, 37, and 38. We just need to realize that harvest time is here, and we need to be ready, and, and we need to be looking and doing what it is that, that God calls us to do, and, and we all need to be involved in this. We are all workmen. And we all have our different abilities and different qualifications, and, and we do what we can with, with uh, what God has given us, and we do that to bring honor and glory to God. And so let's look at these verses, and let's just give a thought for a few minutes here on, on labor and, and being a workman for Christ. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them, because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Then saith he unto his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest, that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. You know, as we, as we give thought to this, and, and uh, giving thought to this passage that God has given to us, I, I just want us to give some thought to a few things. And first of all, let's just take a look at the, at the field. Let, let's have a view of the field. And and it tells us here in verse 36 that he saw the multitudes, and here was the field. We can 
go out here and see a beautiful field of wheat or, or we can see a beautiful field of corn and, and, or alfalfa or whatever and, and you can look at that and, and you can determine when it's ripe for harvest then well Jesus is standing there and he's seeing all of this multitude that, that, that is coming and, and it's interesting it tells us in verse 35 and Jesus went about all the cities and villages teaching in the synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people and and uh, the the throngs of people that would have been following him wherever he went and uh, we see him doing that and and here I could just picture him that uh, as many times he would be up on a hillside somewhere and everyone would come underneath him and he would sit there and where his voice could boom over them and 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 teach all of this group and 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 thousands of people were following him I mean there were two different occasions where one time he fed 4,000 another time he fed 5,000 that that were following him imagine the crowd that that he was attracting and and here was uh, another instance of this and and it tells us that when he saw the multitudes oh how we need to remember and and take lessons from Jesus and and maybe there there needs to come a time in our lives that we are workmen and and we're, I'm not talking about a lazy lot in this church at all you guys are a hard working group of people and and I praise the Lord for that but May I tell you that sometimes God wants you to slow down a little bit and he wants you to look up and, and he wants you to realize that there's something out there that's more important than, than just making the money. And you might be saying, well, I'm just providing for my family and that is important, but don't let your family get in front of what you ought to be doing for God. God comes first before your family. Don't, don't let your family become an idol and and so here he saw the multitudes, and, and, and what is he doing? Well, he's looking at them, and, and I do believe that, first of all, knowing the hearts of all, that he's looking for the lost. You know, in Luke 19, in verse 10, it tells us, For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. You know, it was mentioned to me here uh, just uh, lately, Teresa and I, uh, uh, was in a conversation, and, and uh, this, this passage was mentioned over in Luke chapter 15. I'd love for you to follow over there with me if you'd like. The first seven verses of Luke 15, 1 through 7, and, and, and here it tells us a beautiful picture. It says, Then drew near unto him all the publicans and sin, sinners for to hear him. Isn't that good? I mean, he, he, he just went after whoever needed Jesus. And it wasn't the religious that sought, that did not, they, they didn't seek him. It wasn't the religious that thought they were in trouble, but, oh, they were. But the, the religious is always, the, the, the religious, the, those that are caught up in all of the, the traditions and the rituals are always intimidated by the grace of Jesus. And, but here he goes after the publican and the sinners, and the Pharisees and scribes murmured, saying, this man receiveth sinners and eateth with them. And he spake this parable unto them, saying, What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he lose one of them, doth not leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness and go after that which is lost until he find it? And when he hath found it, he layeth it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he cometh home, he calleth together his friends and neighbors, saying unto them, 
Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. I say unto you that likewise joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth more than over ninety and nine just persons which need no repentance. And uh, so here he goes after that that one that one lost sheep out of the out of the hundred, and he and he seeks them out. And and I'm so grateful that he did that in my life. I'm sure you are too. Luke 19 and verse 5, he also tells us, And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said unto him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must abide at thy house. Oh, we know that Jesus is always looking for the lost, and, and here we, we see he sets the example, and, and maybe sometimes workmen, we need to stop and, 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 and stop what you're doing and and start looking up and asking God, what is it, God, that you want me to do? What, what kind of vision do you want me to have for these people around me? And, and, and Lord, give me a heart for them and, and help me to find those who are lost and, and encourage them and show them about Jesus and, and tell them how good he is and, 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 and how, how, how truly blessed it is to have a piece of, of the knowledge of eternal life and knowing that I'm on my way to heaven and knowing if something comes up that it's okay because God has it under control and, and knowing that I'm one of his children and, and let's tell others about him and let them know. But I'm telling you, if, if we are going to be looking for the lost, then we also need to be listening. We need to listen to what God is saying. And, and he tells us in Matthew, or Mark 16 in verse 15, there he tells us, he says, and he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Acts chapter 1, the last marching orders that he gave to the disciples before he ascended into heaven. He said, but ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. But we need to be listening because maybe God is calling you to Go talk to someone, and <clears throat> may I tell you, it's not some coincidence that even if you're sitting there right now, and all of a sudden, God lays someone on your heart. That, that's God doing that. God knows that name of that person, and, and he knows that he wants you to go talk to them about Jesus and tell them about him, and, and he's laying that on your heart right now, and, and you have to ask yourself, what are you going to do if... If God really is doing that and, and wanting you to be a workman for him and wanting you to do that, well, we need to do it. Isaiah, it tells us in Isaiah chapter 6, I love the calling of Isaiah. It says in verse 1, And in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphims, each one had six wings, which... Twain he covered his face, and with twain he covered his feet, and with twain he did fly. And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the posts of the door moved at the voice of him that cried, and the house was filled with smoke. Then, then said I, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then flew one of the seraphims unto me, having a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with the tongs from off the altar. Now, 
and, and he laid it upon his mouth and said, Lo, this hath touched thy lips, and thine iniquity is taken away, and thy sin purged. And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? Then said I, Here am I, send me. You know, I think there's a powerful message in that when, when uh, Isaiah was brought into this vision here and, and God speaking to him and allowing him to see somewhat of the throne of God. And, and the first thing that he saw whenever he came into the very presence of God, not seeing him, but even in his presence, he realized how foul and disgusting he is himself. Oh, I'm telling you, there we have nothing to brag about and, and we have nothing to offer God. We have nothing that He needs, or but I can tell you, he, we do have something He wants. He wants our heart. And we need to understand that without Him we are nothing, but with Him we are everything. And, and, and here we need to understand what a privilege it is that, uh, first of all, that that you have understood the, 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 the true calling of God upon your life and realize you're a sinner, that you're in need of a Savior, and that you have humbled your heart and opened your life and you opened your heart to Him and trusting wholly and fully upon Him and what He has done for you on that cross in His death and burial and resurrection, and He saved you, and it is a privilege to be a child of God. You know how we need to be listening to Him and then as we think about who he is and we, we understand who we are, then, then God says, well, who can I send? Well, may, maybe some of us, being the workmen that we ought to be, maybe it's time that you realize and understand the calling that, that God is giving to you right now, and you can say, Lord, it's me. I'll go. I'll go do what it is. That, is this a short job? What, how, how long do you want me to do this? And and, and he said, go and tell this people, hear ye indeed, but understand not, and see ye indeed, but perceive not. Verse 9, verse 10, make the heart of the people fat, and make their ears heavy, and shut their eyes, lest they see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and convert and be healed. You know what he's telling Isaiah? He said, you're going to go out, and you're going to do this, but they're really not going to listen. Then said I, Lord, how long? And he answered, until the cities be wasted without inhabitant. And the houses without man, and the land be utterly desolate, and the Lord have removed men far away, and there be a great forsaking in the midst of the land. Oh, we just keep doing it. We just keep telling people about Jesus, and but you, you need you need to do some things. You need to be looking at the field. You 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 need to be looking as Jesus did, looking for the lost. You need to be telling be courageous enough to and love the people enough to tell them that. They need Jesus, and, and you need to be listening because maybe God is calling you right now to go visit someone or talk to someone that, that you truly love, and you want, them, you want to see them in heaven someday. And so he's laying them on your heart. And, and, but you also need to be listening because some of you may be so busy in your work and doing those things that the secular world is demanding upon you, and God is knocking on your heart and said, I want, you so, I want to do something special. And use you in some way in the ministry, and you also need to be listening for that. God may be calling on you to do that, but you need to be listening. But can I also tell you, let's go back to Matthew, and, and here it tells us something about, about Jesus, that when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion upon them because they fainted and were scattered abroad and 
you know what? We just need to love people like he does. We need to love the Lord first and foremost. It tells us in Matthew 22, verses 36 through 38, Master, uh, a young man came to him. Master, was the great commandment in the law? Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. Oh, how we need to love God and be willing to give up everything that we have to follow him. Do whatever it is that God wants us to do. We, we don't have much time on this earth. And don't spend all of your time just trying to make wealth and, and build up your wealth and, and think that that's going to make everybody happy. I, I don't see that happening at all. I find uh, those that have great wealth comes a great responsibility to use it in a way that is honoring to God. Why don't we invest more in the eternal instead and let's keep our eyes on God and make sure the things that we're doing are the things that are honoring and pleasing to God because he's the first and foremost love of our lives. Let us um, make sure that we love God the way that we ought to. 1 John 4.11 says, Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. We ought to love the brethren. We need to learn how to love each other. As this group continues to get bigger and, and as more people come in and, and, and there's all kinds of different ideas that come, well, we still need to, and, and they know Christ is our Savior. We need to love them and, and be what it is that God wants us to be. He tells us over in John 13, he tells us there, and I, I think it's verse 35, but hold, hold me to that, but it says that really the world will know Jesus by the way we love one another. Let the world see that, that we truly do love one another. But then also you can turn over to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and not only should we love the Lord and love the brethren, but in, in this passage of being the kind of workman that God wants us to be, oh, how we need to love the lost. We truly do. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, look at this. Start with verse 18 through the end of the chapter. And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ. You see, before we have trusted Christ as our Savior and, and found that the sacrifice of Jesus on that cross and his death, burial, and resurrection, that, that, that that is the work that needed to be done. It had to be a sacrifice of purity and perfection. And Jesus is the only one that could do that. And, and so through that, then anyone who by faith that will call and trust in that work of Jesus Christ, your, your sins are covered at Calvary. And we have eternal life. And, and before that, then there's a rub between us and God. And it's called sin. And it's because of that unbelief that we have and not trusting in Jesus to deal with our sin, then we have that rub going on and, and there's a real problem there. And, and we need to understand that it's Jesus who brings that reconciliation between us and God. Because if you, do never, if you never trust Jesus as your Savior, then there will come a day when you will see the wrath of God upon your life because of your unbelief. But here we see that he has reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ. Do you know him? Have you trusted him as your Savior? And hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. Boy, I tell you, I, I, I see more of this now of 
Not only do we need to make sure that we are going out and seeing the lost reconciled to Jesus, but you know what I see? I, I love when, when God brings someone back that has been astray, and he brings them back and reconciles them. How joyful that is, but oh, how we need to go after those, and in this context, those who are lost, and, and then it tells us, and to wit, that that uh, that is namely or whatever that that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself not imputing their trespasses unto them and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation now then we are ambassadors for Christ as though God did beseech you by us we pray you in Christ's stead be ye reconciled to God for he, God, hath made him, Jesus, to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. If we're going to view the field, then we need to be looking, we need to be listening, and we need to be loving. Are we doing those things? Are, are we just, I don't know, just coming and, uh, you know, we, we come to church on Sunday and it makes our conscience feel better, and then we just go back out and make a living the rest of the week and do all the things that we want to do and stay focused on our goals that we have personally and, and we just don't interject God in any of that? I mean, God wants us to stop for a moment here and, and I believe he's giving us a wake-up call today. Let us wake up and let us look out there and let us see that the field is ready for harvest. And if we do that, then we're going to see the results of that viewing the field here and 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 it tells us that and we looked at this already but it tells us that he was moved with compassion we go back to matthew chapter 9 and you need to realize that your eyes will affect your heart i, I told those guys in the the bcrm i know they travel a long way some of those guys were 10 to 12 hours away and I know and I understand it's hard for them in these small churches to be able to find someone to cover at the church on Sunday so they could get here early. But I told them, guys, if there's any way at all next year, you really ought to try to come and be here on a Sunday morning with our people. And I said, because when, when our, and, and praise the Lord for this, I'm a relational guy. I, I think that the most powerful way that you can witness to someone and encourage someone to trust Christ is you have some kind of a relationship with that person. I, I, I'm not a cold call kind of guy at all. I believe you need to build a relationship and show that there's some trust and show that you really are who you say that you are. And, and through that, then you build that type of a relationship of trust and then you can uh, talk to them. And, and, and I'm just telling you that your eyes will affect your heart. And it's the same way with all of us. You know, we can, we can come on a Sunday in, in a church setting and, and we can look at what's going on and, and we can be a critic of this, 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 or this. Or we can think this could be done better or that could be done better. But, but um, nothing, uh, you know, you, you, you look at those things and you see that, but you don't step up to help with any of that. And, but I can tell you that if you'll get involved in the ministry and, and the ministry is that ministry of reconciliation where, where you are uh, an ambassador of, of Jesus Christ and, 
and you are reaching out to those who are unsaved and and you start talking to them about Jesus and and you start inviting them to come to church and and you start realizing the importance of the ministries that we have they're they're used to glorify God and, and evangelize the lost or edify the believer and and you start getting involved in all of those things and and you start getting involved in building relationships with other people you'll find out that that your eyes will affect your heart. And the more you get involved, then you'll find that God will give you more compassion for those that are around. And, and compassion has the idea of, of having pity and sympathy on someone. And, 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 and so here we, we see that the, the, it, you are moved with compassion. Luke 15, 20, talking about the prodigal son, and he arose and came to his father, but... When he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. Oh, how he loved his son. He didn't go after him, but he waited for him to return, and he was right there with open arms. Parents, can I tell you, you might have a wayward child right now. Don't disown them. Don't walk away from them. That isn't biblical. You, you don't have to go chasing them, but you never stop praying for them. You never stop loving them, and you wait for them to come back, and you open your arms and tell them more about Jesus. Jude 22 tells us, and of some have compassion, making a difference. Oh, I think that we need to understand about where people are at today. You know, the devil wants, uh, wants the world to believe a lie about churches and believe a lie about Christianity that's not true. You know, they tell us that the world will tell us that because we don't accept the behavior of, of whatever lifestyle that, that people are in, that, that we hate them. No, we don't. No, we don't. God doesn't hate them, and no, nor do we. Do we like their lifestyle? No. No one can redefine what marriage is. No one can redefine gender. God created man and woman. That's it. I mean, I mean, we're, we're not being hateful or mean by that. That's just what the Bible says. The Bible says there are two genders, man and a woman, male and a female. God is the one that created marriage, and marriage was between a man and a woman. That's just what the Bible says. I mean, that... and. Does it stop God from loving someone? No, it does not. God loves them all. God loves all of us. Praise the Lord, he still loves me even when I mouth off in pride and arrogance and do something stupid. He doesn't write me off. He still loves me. I'm still a child of God today because his love is ever in, never ending. His love is always compassionate. His love is long-suffering. Sometimes he reproves me. Sometimes he rebukes me. Sometimes he hugs me with compassion. Sometimes he just shows me that he cares, whatever it is, but we know it never changes, and it doesn't change for them. But I'm telling you that, that people are out there today, and they're searching everywhere trying to find happiness, and they're trying to listen to, to some other wet noodle out there that, that is trying to whip them into shape, and they can't do anything for them their own selves. They're, they're trying to find their happiness in this hole, and so they're trying to bring you into their hole and say, 
well, maybe together we can get out of this hole and find happiness, or, or they're going over here, or they're, they're searching over here, and I'm telling you that God has a way that, that we all need to go, and, and it's that way that you walk ye there in it, and, and you know that it is narrow, and, and we know that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and no man cometh unto the Father but by me, by Jesus, and, and so we know that, and but we need to have compassion on these people. And, and so many are believing a lie. And so many cowards are standing in the pulpit and because they want to show that they're compassionate and say, hey, it's okay, you can do all of these things and, and God's going to love you anyway. I'm telling you that, that God will still love you and God will even love those in Revelation 20 that he ends up sending into hell. And it's not because of him but it's because of you rejecting Jesus as your Savior, your unbelief will send you to hell, not God. God will love you to the very end. But God is also holy and righteous, and he cannot stand the presence of sin. And until you go to Jesus and seek forgiveness, you're standing there in your sin and your pride and your arrogance, and you think that, you're going to be good enough to walk into a perfect place. It's not going to happen. But oh, how we need to have compassion on people and take them where they are and help them to get where they need to be. And I don't like the nasty stuff in my life. Why should I say yours is okay? You guys are just as bad as I am. We all need to get it right. And those living in those lifestyles need to get it right. They need to understand this is what the Bible says. I'm not going to change what God says. And some arrogant person standing up in a robe somewhere and saying that he has authority that he doesn't have to change what God's word says, that man or that woman's on their way to hell. God's way is the only way. And how we need to love people and tell them, but oh, how we need to have compassion on them. Why? Why? Because he says they fainted. And we're scattered abroad. When you faint, you just give out. You're exhausted. I can t- I'll, I'll, I'll let you know this, that if you sit in your office about, I don't know, six or eight hours a day, uh, you counsel a lot, you go visit people, but you drive a lot, you know, you're not in very good shape, okay? That would be me. So for two days, I go and help a guy roof a house. You need to be in shape to do that, all right? Healthier than me, all right? I, I can tell you that on Thursday evening when we finally quit, at, they were still going at it at 8.30. They had put up lights, and I'm like, I'm done. I'm going to my room, and there ain't nobody here big enough to stop me. I was done, exhausted, done, laid out, forget it. I mean, that's it. They all laughed at me when they come dragging in. I was already in bed. Well, I didn't feel bad at all. And so, sometimes life wears you out. Not just physically, but mentally. I mean, might as well say it, let's just stir it all up, right? I'm already tired of the next strain of COVID. I'm already tired of these foul-mouthed, unbelieving, godless politicians who are going to come in and dictate to us how we live our lives. 
That government was never established for that. That is unbiblical. It's unnatural. It's not right. And there's no reason to follow that. But I am tired of the pressures. I, I get tired of them threatening to shut the churches down and, and talking about doing it all over again. I get tired of the mental anguish of those pressures. I, I get tired of, of seeing the, the, the people that are, that are out there that are, that are chasing after things in this world, trying to find happiness and, and trying to find solitude, and, and, they're, and they're trying to find joy in all of these things. And, and you look at them, and they're worn completely out, and, and, it, and, and it does it. It, it, it affects you, and, and you want it to be better, and you want people to have joy, and, and you want them to have satisfaction, and, 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 and you want them to, to have energy and joy and, and all of that. And sometimes it just really wears you out in this life. And I know that. And I understand that. And I just want you to know also, if, if it comes to a point where you feel it necessary to wear a mask, wear a mask. I'm not. And we're not going to require it here. I don't care what they say. Not going to happen. I don't care. We'll go to jail. Whatever. It's not going to happen. I want to see your face. I want to see your expressions. You are not just another animal or, or an object. You are a person. And we need to look at each other. And we need to talk to each other. And we need to have a relationship with each other. And we need to serve our God together. And don't walk in fear. God says in Psalms that he'll protect us from the pestilence. I believe that. But oh, I just get tired. People are weary. They're harassed. They're troubled. And how we just need to reach out and talk to them. And tell them about the answer. And it's Jesus. It's Jesus. I mean, this life is hard. It's overwhelming at times. But I can tell you that Jesus is there. And he loves you today. And it tells us that they were scattered abroad. You know, as sheep having no shepherd. What happens to sheep if you don't watch them? Well, most of them probably end up dead. It's really kind of embarrassing being compared to sheep. I mean, do you know a sheep can get over on their back and they will die because they can't get rolled back over? I think it's called cast, they get cast, uh, you know, or whatever. You know, laying on their, on their back, feet straight in the air, and they'll die because the gases will build up and they'll suffocate. Isn't that sad that we're compared to a sheep, Jerry? I... I'm kind of insulted by that at times, but it ought to just keep us humble, right? But here he says, and they were scattered abroad. Means that when they're scattered abroad, they were just left to their own resources to take care of themselves. Boy, sometimes we get like that, guys. We got Jesus, and we know that we're on our way to heaven. You know what? If they want to go to hell, then let them go to hell. That isn't the right attitude. That isn't at all what we ought to be. Jesus was moved with compassion. And he was moved with compassion because they fainted. They were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. And so then we see the last thing is the calling. Then saith he unto his disciples, those that were following him, 
those that said that they had trusted in that Messiah and were looking to him for salvation, the ones that were followers of Jesus, the ones who were busy with him, the ones that were already serving him, the harvest truly is plenteous. Boy, it is. Every time I go to a function or you, you, you go to the, you know, congratulations on the, on the firefighters that climbed the stairs yesterday. You know, and I go there and I see people from the community and you wonder, I wonder how many of these people know Jesus as their Savior. You know, we're, the, car, the car show will be coming up in another week or two and you walk through there and you see all these, you know, hundreds of cars and thousands of people and, and you wonder, I wonder how many of these people know that they're on their way to heaven. You know, you, you go, you do a funeral and, and you see a couple hundred people sitting there and, and you lay out the gospel for them, begging and pleading for them to trust Jesus because you don't know their hearts and you don't know how, how many know Jesus as their Savior. And, and every time I see that, and, 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 and I know some people think I'm crazy, but I pray that God gives us a, just a tenth, a, a, a tithe of our, uh, of our county for that, that have a profession of faith and know Jesus is their Savior, part of Platte Valley Baptist Church. What's wrong with having 2,800 people out of 28,000 knowing that, that they know Jesus is their Savior? And then take that 2,800 then and, and start working on the other uh, uh, you know, 25,000 and whatever it is. You know? and, and so uh, praise the Lord for that and, and asking them to uh, make a difference and let us have a vision like God does and, and let us see those people for a creation of God who needs Jesus. And look, you go to someone and tell them about Jesus and they say, hey, I, I, I trusted Jesus several years ago or I accepted Christ last week or praise the Lord for that, you know. Then serve God and tell somebody else about Jesus and, and encourage them. And, and if you're sitting here today, it was by no mistake that you are here today to hear the precious joyful noise of the gospel of Jesus Christ that Jesus died for you and, and he's pricking on your heart right now and, and pulling you and telling you, hey, no more games, okay? No more games, no trust in your works, no trust in, in some, some traditional uh, uh, idolistic ideas, but you are just coming to the one man, Jesus himself, who died for you, gave his life for you, rose again showing us that he's God, and he wants to have a relationship with you right now, and you're saying, yes, God, I want that, and Jesus, I trust you. I trust you to forgive me and save me and be my Savior. Don't hide from that. Don't walk away from that. Don't think that anybody's being judgmental in that. I'm telling you, it's the most serious decision you'll ever make in your life is trusting Jesus Christ as your Savior. You know, here we need to understand that the harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Oh, we got a lot of workmen, a lot of people that know how to work. But maybe we're a little bit lazy when it comes to doing the work of the Lord. Let's do what it is that God has told us to do and putting him first in our, in our lives. And then those who are in the business of doing God's business, then he gives us a command. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. Those that were already doing the work are the ones that need to be praying for more workers. If you're not doing the work, don't sit there on your couch and say, Oh, God, give us laborers to do your work. 
You know what I find interesting, and I'll end with this, that word, the two words, send forth, only one, only one time here is it used in a positive right here to, to send out, right? Most of the time it's in a negative connotation, and it means to drive them out. You know, I thought about that, and I thought, how many of you need to get off your spiritual duff and do what God has called you to do? And there may come a time where if you're not going to listen to him in a still small voice, he may drive you out and say, this is what you need to do. Go do it. He can do that. Whatever it is that's holding you down, he can get rid of that. You might have a job that, or, or whatever or some other idol. I don't know what it is. Some hobby that's keeping you from doing what. I don't know your own ideas and your own goals in life. God says, no, I don't want any of that. This is what I want you to do. Okay, God, send me. Or he can drive you out, put you out there, and make you go there. I don't want to be that way, and I don't think you do either. Because you know what we'll find out? All of the people that we invest in, God remembers that. And can I tell you, there is not a greater joy than when God uses you to make an eternal difference in someone else's life. Nothing better. And God has all those records, and God never forgets. Let us stay focused. Yes, the harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Maybe he's calling you right now to pay attention and be a better workman, a better laborer for him. Maybe he's calling you to do it full time. Nothing more exciting, nothing more frustrating, nothing more challenging. But truly, it will be the most rewarding thing you can do is do what God calls you to do. And let's be a workman for him. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the compassion that Jesus had on all of us. You love us. Even when we had nothing to offer. And you went to that cross for us and you died that bloody, painful, wretched death for the sins of all mankind. Because you love us. And then you rose from the dead you ascended into heaven, and you have prepared a place for all of us if we'll only believe and trust in you. Father, thank you. Thank you for the glorious gospel that saves us. Thank you for each one that's in here that has trusted you as their Savior. So, Father, I pray for them that you'll prick their heart and lay someone on their heart right now that they need to talk to and tell them about Jesus. And Father, I pray if there's someone sitting here that's never trusted you as their Savior, that, Lord, they'd understand that you're not sitting there in judgment. You're sitting there pleading with them right now to get real in their lives and understand that they need to do business with you and that, Lord, today they would humble their hearts and call on you to be their Savior. How simple it truly is sitting right where they are and they can call on you and trust you. 
they have questions, Father, you know we will answer any questions they have. And so let them encourage them, prompt them to come forward and tell me and we'll have someone sit down with them and answer any questions they may have. Lord, help us. Help us to see the importance and the value of that one that you want us to go talk to. And show us the value of the eternal rewards of what we're doing. And the Lord will understand and let it just take a hold of our hearts and our lives and change our focus and help us, Father, in the way that we ought to live. Bless and guide us now and do a work in our hearts. Whatever decisions need to be made that they haven't, they'll do so during this hymn. And Father, you'll be honored and glorified in the lives of each one who's here. Pray your blessings upon us in Jesus' name. Amen. 839 in my life, Lord. 839. Let's all stand as we sing. Let's just sing the whole hymn. As we sing this, if you need help, please, you come at this time. We'll help you. In my life. God bless. It's good to see each one of you out. We're going to pray. Ask the Lord's blessing on the on the meal. Look, if you can stay, love for you to stay. We have a bunch of hamburgers and hot dogs, so uh, love for you to hang around and fellowship with us and uh, just and and no service tonight. Don't forget that. You show up, you're going to think the rapture took place. <laughs> we'll be all at home in a food coma, and so. Uh, and, and and if you have tomorrow off, you, you know why? Enjoy it with your family and uh, just enjoy that time. So don't forget also, short clam meeting right upstairs. We'll have uh, Tom here to give instructions on how to move the chairs out of the way so we can put in the tables. And uh, do as he asks you to do that. It'll make his life a whole lot easier later in how to stack the chairs and stuff. So I know uh, he'd appreciate that. But uh, so good to see everybody here. And, you know, and, and on the COVID thing, look, if, if, you, if you feel like you need to wear a mask, wear a mask, okay? Nobody's going to say anything about that. Wear a mask, all right? But we're not going to require it. We're just not going to do it. And so we're not against anyone. We want you to be comfortable in where you are, but we're, we're just, uh, we'll trust God, and uh, it's going to be okay. One way or the other, whatever happens, we're going to get through these things, and uh, God's going to be honored and glorified in what we do. That's all we want, right? So let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you for Jesus. 
Thank you for your protection, your provision. And Father, give us a, just give us a view of the field and, and a heart that wants to make a difference. And I pray that you show us and guide us and use us. Bless the food today. Bless the hands that have fixed it. Bless the fellowship. Bless the afternoon. Bless the day with our family. We thank you and love you in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you guys. Thank you.